Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, how about we open up a big old helping of tech gumbo today? That sounds wonderful. Start off with some news and updates. First thing we want to talk about is the U.S. is threatening to ban TikTok if the Chinese owners don't sell their shares of the company. So this is an ongoing story that we are continuing to cover for our listeners. And it is something that began all the way back uh, under the Trump administration whenever Trump sought to force the sale of TikTok. And ultimately, it's hard to believe that this is anything more than a bluff right now. Because while the U.S. is maybe a bit more organized, maybe the Biden administration could point towards some specific statutes, there are a lot of laws in place which generally say the government can't just kick out anyone they want. And that TikTok would have some pretty good legal standing to say that, no, they have a right to do business here. So when Oracle bought the rights to have the, the U.S. servers for TikTok on their hardware – and that was supposedly getting around, hey, the TikTok is on a U.S. server, even though it just flows right through back to China. A, a committee on foreign investment has come out and said that they want TikTok to divest themselves of any Chinese ownership. They are going to have to sell or the U.S. is going to kick them off the continent and I just think this is such an overreach. A spokesperson from TikTok said that if protecting national security is actually the objective, divestment doesn't solve the problem. That the best way to address concerns about national security is with transparent U.S.-based protection of user data and systems with third-party monitoring, vetting, and verification, which they're already doing. That's uh, Oracle is being brought in to be this third-party monitor to look through the all of the code to make sure that everything is what TikTok says it is. That seems like a pretty solid argument. It really is because so TikTok is is kind of they've got to make some decisions, and 
Yes, the U.S. is concerned about the Chinese ownership. Remember, social media companies, Chinese bad, Google good. We got to get through that Facebook good because they're in California, not in China. They all do the same thing and collect the same information, but California good, China bad. And to have them actually try and pull this off, number one, I think it would be extremely difficult to actually be able to say yes, the legislation is going to go all the way through the the court system and be upheld so that, that so that TikTok is blocked from the U.S. I just think that's an incredibly difficult road to get through. Oh, I agree. It's such a high bar to clear because again, there are there is a U.S. branch of TikTok, and the the plan which TikTok is implementing is saying that it would essentially wall off all the U.S. operations with all the data being stored here in the U.S. They appear to be implementing some pretty good faith efforts here. Now, they are still owned by China, and so if the Chinese government asked, in quotes, for something, TikTok would have to turn it over. But again, this is one of those things where if you really wanted to protect the privacy of your U.S. citizens, just pass data privacy legislation. Make it so where no one can sit there and spy on your citizens. That no one is collecting all this personal information. And that way, everyone from TikTok to Facebook to Instagram to YouTube to Twitter, all of them now have to play by a set of rules which are in the best interest of your citizens. That is just the simple and easy way to go about all of this. Where have we heard that before? Let's have our own data protection rights in the United States. Yes, there's a reason that Europe isn't having these same fights, and it's because they already have legislation on the books protecting their citizens. They're not worried about TikTok collecting egregious amounts of data because it's illegal. And so it's also legal for Facebook and Instagram to do it. And so they are totally happy and totally fine over there. So we will keep our eyes on this, and as we see more, we'll get back to you on what's going on with TikTok. Meanwhile, there are calls that are suggesting that social media, which currently has a a ban that no one under 13-year-olds should be using it, they're calling on the government to raise that, that age limit to get to social media. Yes, this is the U.S. Surgeon General is saying that 13 is too young for people to start using social media. The person did not specifically say what age they believe it should start at, but I think that given all of the data, all of the evidence, all of the research that we've shown about the impacts of things like Instagram on teenagers, this is a pretty reasonable statement. That a few years ago, there was the Instagram leaks wherever there was all that internal data that Instagram had about the harm and the damage that it was doing specifically to teenage girls and their body image issues and how devastating it was for these young people who don't know what it is to self-regulate yet, who don't understand that the images that they're looking at are fake and not representative. And kind of look back to the 90s here for what we did with cigarettes. And that it was known that cigarettes were bad for you, but it was, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And it took us going after banning the advertisement of cigarettes towards kids and teenagers to see real change here. And you have to wonder, in the future, will we look back and view social media through the same lens? 
kind of comes down to, are we more concerned about the mental health of teenage girls? Because that's who this is really mostly targeting, this, this Surgeon General recommendation. Or are we more worried about the trillion-dollar corporation that's a social media giant? Because if you say, okay, pick a random number. you got to be 17 years old to get on social media. Are you going to tell me all of the, the freshmen, sophomores, and juniors in high school, all those girls who live on Instagram and Snapchat and all the different ones, are going to stop? Or if you do stop them, the advertising dollars that flow into these big, huge corporations is going to dry up pretty quick. So which one's more important out there? Yeah, you're totally right. That's any raising of that age, you are going to blow a huge hole through the user base of Instagram or of Snapchat. But, you know, as you said, which one is more important to us? That's okay. Yeah, sure. You know, Facebook won't be able to sell ads to 15 year olds anymore, but maybe they shouldn't be able to. Maybe the types of ads that Facebook is selling to 15 year olds are the things doing harm to them. Because as we've said before, they intentionally place users into a vulnerable place by showing them specific posts that are designed to lower your self-esteem and make you more vulnerable to certain types of ads. And then they show you that ad. And if you are 15, you don't know that yet. That is not sunk in for you yet. All of this is still new and still scary. And it is weaponized to make money at their expense and do kind of – I very much see why this raise would be a good thing. It then comes down to enforcement because, okay, if we say all of you companies raise your age to 16 or 17 or whatever, how do we actually make sure they do that? Because if you still just have a button that says, yes, I am the legal age, and you move on from there, well, guess what? Everyone you know who can read is going to click that button. And then the problem, if the 13-year-old little girl out there says, oh, mommy, I really, really want, I really want, okay, fine, here. And mom signs in and just gives the Android phone, go, I don't care, just get out of my way. Well, now you've you've got this legislation that's toothless because parents just don't care. Just just go do it. You're going to do it anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a great point. If if the kid comes home and says, well, all of my friends have one, all my friends are on it, I have to I have to be on it in order to be part of this social circle. That's a, a another valid point that because we have created this culture wherever you've reached the tipping point, wherever so many people are on it, it becomes very bad for, you know, a 10 year old to not be on it. If all of their friends are saying, oh, look at this funny video that I saw last night and they're all doing the the dances and they're all doing the the songs and one of them is left out. That's even worse. The fear of missing out is is real. And when you have these young kids who are so vulnerable and you've made it worse, you have to change the entire culture around these things in order to improve them. This cannot be half measures. This cannot be half steps. If we're going to truly think of the children and truly protect the youth and the next generation, we need to actually go after the things which we know are harming them. It was the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act in 1998 that came up with the age 13. There's a whole lot of difference between 1998 and 2023 as to what 13-year-olds have access to nowadays. I didn't raise daughters. I don't I'm not trying to pick on girls, so I don't misunderstand. I have nieces. I, I have a lot of friends who have daughters, and I watch them and just think, 
this is out of control. Oh, it's it's very much well understood the problems that social media is causing for teenagers, especially younger teenagers. And I, as someone who is almost 30 and have been on social media for 16 years now, I still know the problems that it causes me. And I, I am basically an expert at this point in time. I've been there since the beginning. I could not imagine what this is doing to someone who is still new to all of this. And Yes. Have we made mistakes in the past with regulation around things like this? Yes. The FTC was once called the national nanny for their overreach. But again, I would rather be more protective and have social media play a smaller role in everyone's life, myself included in this. If if I couldn't get on Twitter tomorrow because everyone couldn't get on Twitter tomorrow, that might be for the best. But especially kids who are still developing, who don't understand what their place in the world is and who are specifically being squeezed because that's how you sell the most ads. I think we can do better as a country here. Agreed. And speaking of not being able to get on Twitter, that actually happened not long ago. On March 1st, a single Twitter engineer used some bad judgment when he was creating some code and he brought the company down. Yes, it also happened on February 18th and February 15th and February 8th and January 23rd. And if you're seeing a pattern here, you're not the only one. These hacks, these massive layoffs, turns out that some of those people were important. Some of those people were doing jobs. And whenever you're continuing to make large scale changes inside of this code base and you got rid of all the people whose job it was to make sure that everything works, things stop working. Yeah, there was a February 1 incident where Twitter said we're no longer going to support free access to its API so people could no longer do third party research into Twitter. And so Elon Musk said, go out there and make it so. And this one engineer, the only engineer available, went out and made a bad configuration change and it broke the API, which basically took Twitter down. And later on that day, Elon Musk, when once Twitter did come back up, when they fixed that API, he tweeted out a small API change had massive ramifications. So it's important to say it's not really the fault of that one engineer. Whenever you are structuring your entire company well, no single person has that much power. You have teams of people one of them writes the codes, another person checks it, and then you test that somewhere where it's safe. And then you have someone above them review it to make sure that everything works well. And you have a different team somewhere else make sure that everything plugs together well. Normally, this is a 10 to 15 person job, and all of them play a vital role. The fact that it's only one person who's in charge of all of this, that's much more a failure of management than it is of that singular engineer. Engineers make errors all the time, but that's why you build in redundancy. It's why you have in these systems and it's why you don't test your code on the live servers. A year ago, there may have been a hundred people working on that one solution. Yes, testing all of this on virtual servers around the planet in a test mode to see if it's going to work would be a good thing, the prudent and rational thing to do. However, the current CEO of Twitter has not been prudent or rational on anything that he's done with this company since the middle of October. 
one Twitter employee said, this is what happens when you fire 90% of the company because they're down to 550 full-time engineers. And on October 1, they were at 7,500 employees. So you really see how many people have left and it's just hard to keep all of this running. You have two options. Musk has said that he thinks that the code is brittle for no good reason and will need a complete rewrite. If that is your view of Twitter, okay, I understand. But then that means you need everyone available to you to fix all of that. You don't get to say, we're going to have to burn the whole thing down and start over from scratch and get rid of everyone. And that's just, that's the problem you face. You're going to continue to see the product degrade over time like this because you just don't have enough hands to fix it. There was one Twitter employee, he was quoted saying, we're laughing all the way down. <laughs> yeah, the, the ship is sinking and they have accepted it. Moving on, we wanted to get to Wi-Fi 7 has actually popped its head up over the horizon now. If you've not been paying attention, the IEEE changed everything from the 802.11 A, B, C, and all the different standards to make it more easy to understand Wi-Fi 4, Wi-Fi 5, 6, or 7. Right now, most people are probably still using Wi-Fi 5, which was released in 2014. In 2019, Wi-Fi 6 was released. And now, Wi-Fi 7 looks to be adopted in, in 2024 with amazing speeds that are theoretical, upwards of 30 gigabits per second. But the problem with 30 gigabits per second over a Wi-Fi router is your computer's not that fast and neither is your ISP. Yeah, you know, this is kind of some of the same things that we said about Wi-Fi 6 is that, yeah, sure, you know, the changes that they are implementing inside of this process are truly astonishing. It this is some really incredible engineering here that they're pulling off. But if you build a 12-lane highway to connect two one-lane bridges, you still can only put as many cars on the road as the one-lane bridges. And so, sure, you can get 30 gigabits from your computer to your router, but if your ISP only gives you one gigabit in, you're still only getting one gigabit. And most people don't even get one gigabit from their ISP. And, oh, by the way, your data is not going to travel across the motherboard on your computer at 30 gigabits either. And so this is great. This is awesome technology that Wi-Fi 7 is out there and can get you upwards of 30 gigabits of throughput. But if your ISP only brings 300 megabits of throughput into your house, and if it's 300 download and 50 megabits upload, then what do you need a, a 30 gigabit throughput for? Yeah, to put that in perspective, that's 30,000 megabits. So if you're getting 300, but oh, you can go up to 3,000, but you're only getting 300, you're not doing a whole lot here. It's, yeah. it's just overkill. But hey, not to be outdone, there is Netgear is already out there about to release a brand new Wi-Fi router with the proposed Wi-Fi 7 technology 
in it. Now, Wi-Fi 7 will not be ratified by the IEEE till sometime in 2024. But Netgear is saying, hey, we don't care. We know what the, we're good. We're going to put it out anyway because people want their 30 gigabits of throughput. So, yeah, if you see it, you can be a little skeptical. You don't have to go out and buy the newest box. You don't have to replace this anytime soon. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.